0: Just joining us today? Maybe this is your first time here at Cross Trail. I didn't introduce myself. I am uh, Pastor Chris Workman. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Uh, we have we're almost at the end of a series that we've been in called New Life Now. New Life Now: Six Truths About every believer. And um, we have been uncovering these six truths from what is really one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, which is Romans chapter 8. And I'm excited you're here today. And if you have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible app, you might want to go ahead and turn or click to Romans 8 with me today. Um, Paul lays out these six truths in this chapter that are foundational to the Christian faith. And the the truths that he lays out, or that we've looked at so far at least, are first of all, that we've been acquitted from the guilt of our sin. Secondly, that we have been equipped to overcome sin's domination in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Third, that we've been adopted as God's children by faith and therefore are his heirs. And then last week, we opened up the topic of of all of the the pain and all of the the suffering and the hard things, the the problems that we have to deal with in this life. And first, Paul gave us a bigger picture to to understand, a bigger context in which to understand why there is so much pain and suffering in the world And, uh, and that all of creation is kind of caught up in the frustration of it with us because it's broken. And then secondly, he he pointed us forward to uh, an unshakable hope that we can live with, that, that there is a time coming when God is going to free his children along with all of his creation from our suffering, and we will be glorified. So that was the fourth truth that we looked at so far. Now, today, with that backdrop, Paul goes on and beginning in verse 26, he says, in the same way, the Spirit, what? He helps us. There we go. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. All right, so here we get the next pivotal truth about every believer, and that is that as we deal with all of the, the problems we have in this life as we as we work through our pain, we have god 's help we have god 's help that the truth is that the children of God are helped through every difficulty by the spirit of god, all right so I want you to just kind of hold that in your head as we talk about this through the rest of this time here. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our what? In our weakness, okay. So what he's talking about there, when he, when he says in our weakness, he's talking about the same thing he's just been talking about, okay? So if so you go back to the previous couple of paragraphs that we looked at last week, and that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the way that we groan under the strain of, of all of the things that we suffer in this life, whether physically, emotionally, relationally, psychologically, spiritually, all of it, all of it. He's talking about struggles of all kinds. And again, as I mentioned, he's already pointed us forward to the glory that lies ahead. But here he says, in the same way, or like at the same time, The spirit helps us in our weakness. In other words, along with waiting patiently for that future time and and that hope of that glory that is one day to be ours to enjoy, in the meantime, he says, we also have the spirit to help us as we're dealing with this stuff in the present. So really here's what that means. It means that you never have to go through the hard things of your life alone. You never do. You never have to go through it alone. And there's this really kind of interesting word picture that Paul that uses here in the particular Greek word that he used um, when he wrote this originally that's translated helps. You know, when he talks about the spirit helps us. And, and the word means to, um, it, it means to take hold of something along with someone. Okay, take hold of something along with someone. Um, In other words, to help bear its weight. Okay, so like at the gym, sometimes people come with a friend and sometimes they'll spot each other. And and, and what that means is a spotter is someone who's going to stand kind of usually kind of behind you and above you, and, and they're going to just be there so that if the weight's too heavy or if you just can't quite get that last rep all the way up, they're going to take hold of that bar with you and help you complete it. And and what that does is having a spotter allows you to actually lift heavier weight than you would otherwise and to get stronger than you would otherwise. And so Paul is, is really saying that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes alongside, and what he does is that he, as, as we're you know, dealing with the weight of, of our struggles and the weight of our problems and the weight of our pain, that the Holy Spirit comes, and he takes hold of it with us. He, he, he takes hold, and he helps us to complete the lift. He is our spotter, in other words. And so he, he helps us to lift heavier weight than we could otherwise bear and to become stronger in the process. And then as an example, Paul speaks, I think, really right to where we find, find ourselves sometimes when we're going through those difficult parts of life, and, and he talks about those times, that especially that we're hurting, and also maybe times that we're facing some kind of dilemma, and he says in verse 26, we do not know what we ought to pray for, right? We don't know what we ought to pray for. If, now, let me just pause there, because if you spend any time in God's Word, then you know that there's a whole litany of things that we need to pray for, Right? I mean, there's all kinds of things. Like anything that God wants to do, anything that God wants to produce in us is something we should be praying about. God, help me to be more loving. Help me to be gentler. Help me, God, to be bolder in my witness about you. Help me, God, to be more more forgiving of people. Help me, God, to, to uh, have wisdom in, in the things I'm trying to figure out. Help me, God, to overcome my weaknesses. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we know we should be praying for as we understand what God wants to do in our lives. And then, of course, we also have the Lord's Prayer, right? We all, we all are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, our Father who is in heaven, you know, hallowed be your name. So Jesus gave us this example prayer to teach, to teach us, like, here's some of the things that you need to be praying about. So he's not saying, Paul, in this verse that like we don't know at all what we should be praying for. He's not saying we never know what to pray for. He simply is, is focusing on, I think, especially those times when we are suffering. Those times, whether it's physical, emotional, or otherwise, that, that our hurt and our confusion can make it difficult for us to have a meaningful conversation with God. Have you ever been there? You know, those times, sometimes you just really, you don't know what to say, right? You're you're trying to pray, but you're just so burdened down. You're so weighed down. You're like, I don't even know what to pray. Sometimes you can't even put your your feelings into words. Have have you ever experienced that where you're just kind of like your words are just suppressed by your grief? And so you're just kind of in this place, and, 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 and sometimes when you're in that place, you don't even feel motivated to pray, right? But, Paul says, the Spirit himself, what? Intercedes, right. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, That's such a cool concept when I think about it. So the Holy Spirit who dwells in us as believers, those of us who are believers, who are God's adopted children, who have the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to mark us as his children, then what he does is he intercedes for us on our behalf with the Father, right? And one of, this is one of the ways that he helps us right here in, in our struggles is that God helps you in your prayers. Okay, That's the first thing that, that, that he talks about here, the way that he helps us. He helps us in our prayers. So even when you don't have it in you, even when you're not sure what to pray, when words fail you, the Holy Spirit is pleading for you. He is pleading for you and he is always calling attention to your plight and to your needs. And so when we're groaning and we're, we're struggling under the things that are happening around us or to us and, and we're groaning and we, we feel the frustration and, the, and the, the pain of it all, the Holy Spirit, Paul says, is groaning right along with us in prayer. As we flounder through our prayer, he's groaning with us. And he's expressing perfectly what we feel, what it is that we're experiencing that we can't put into words. He's able to express that in these wordless groans, Paul says. Now, we don't hear his groans, But we don't have to. The Father does, right? The Father hears that. He understands. And so Paul says, verse 27, he who searches our hearts, that would be the Father, God the Father, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, so, you know, the, the persons of the Trinity, and here you have a little picture, little peek into the Trinity and the way that they work together, the three persons of the Trinity. And, and, and here we see that they have perfect communication with each other. Like they, they they are able to communicate perfectly without even the use of words. They don't need words to even communicate with one another. and And, and so... He says here that that the Father knows our hearts, first of all. He who searches our hearts, right? And secondly, he says he knows perfectly the mind of the Spirit. So he knows our hearts. He knows the mind of the Spirit who is pleading for us exactly what he knows we need. And, And so the difference between what we might plead in prayer and what the Holy Spirit might plead in prayer for us is that, as he says, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with what? With the will of God, right? The Holy Spirit intercedes in accordance with the will of God. So get this, not only does the Father know the mind of the Spirit who is, who is totally in tune with what we're experiencing and the emotions we have and, and is communicating that in these wordless groans, the Spirit also knows the mind of the Father, See, it goes both ways. The communication flows both ways between them perfectly so that, um, as Paul says here, we don't always know what we ought to pray for. We don't always know exactly what to ask for in especially those difficult times in our lives. But the Holy Spirit does and And you know I think maybe the reason why a lot of times we don 't know what to pray for is is because we don 't know what the purpose behind this thing we 're experiencing is, like we don 't know what god 's bigger purpose is we, we don 't know what the end is that god is is working towards here, and so sometimes it 's hard to know what to pray you know, Should I pray for deliverance and healing? should I pray for Strength to endure? Both? Well, you know, what, what should I pray for? Uh, many of you know Linda Hageman, um, and, and Linda has been going through st- a tough time with her mom uh, recently. Her mom has been um, struggling and kind of de- declining for some time mentally and, and, and just kind of going deeper into dementia. And and then just recently, um, she started having some physical ailments, some, some significant physical problems as well. And, and it was there that Linda found herself in kind of this dilemma. She, she really wasn't sure how to pray. She didn't know, should she pray for healing for her mom or would it be better for her to pray that God would just take her peacefully since she doesn't really have a quality of life anyway? And, and so it was a really, a, it's been a difficult dilemma for her. I want you know What would you do? if you were in her shoes. We don't always know what God's will is. We don't always know what his purpose is, but Paul assures us the Holy Spirit knows. He knows, and he always understands not only how we feel and exactly what we're experiencing, he also knows what the will of the Father is. And so he is always asking for exactly what the Father knows we need. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray ourselves. Okay, wanna clarify that. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't be praying ourselves because prayer is ultimately about building a relationship with Father and with God. So, So we need to pray ourselves, but we can have the assurance to know that the Holy Spirit is helping us in our prayers. And we can take comfort in that. We can take peace in that when you find yourself struggling to pray. Lean on the Holy Spirit, know that he's there, trust that he's interceding for you. Love him for that, thank him for that. He is an incredibly important part of your relationship with God. All right, now that's big, that's big. He helps us in our prayers, but that's not all because there's more. And and Paul is gonna point out another way that God helps us in the pain of our problems. Okay, so what is it? Verse 28, he says, And we know that in what? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I have to tell you guys, this is one of my life verses. And you know, some people have what we call life verses, verses that you know really have been super important and meaningful in your life. This is one of mine right here. This is a verse that's well worth memorizing. This is a verse that's well worth writing out on a post-it note and putting it up in your house where you're gonna see it or putting it on a plaque or something. This is a really, really important promise from God that will get you through a lot of tough and stressful things. And so what is Paul telling us here? Paul is telling us that God helps us providentially. All right, he helps us providentially. What does that mean? Well, it means that God is never just sitting back, disinterested, just kind of watching you struggle through your life. He's not like some kind of hard-nosed school teacher that maybe you had when you were growing up that watched you flounder in his or her class and just didn't do anything to help you. That's not the way God is. See, God is always at work. He's always at work in the details of your life to help you with whatever it is that you're you're dealing with, to help you get through. And and Paul says, notice, he says, we know that in all things, God works for the what? For the good. He works for the good in all things. Now, in everything that happens in our lives, in other words, right? Even those things that are are painful, even those points of of hurt in our lives, God goes to work and, and God is able to use those things to help draw us closer to that ultimate good that he has in mind for our lives, all right? So notice, this is important, The promise is not that everything that happens in your life will be good. It's not what he says. He doesn't say everything that happens to you will be good. We know that's not the case. But what we know by faith is that God will make all things work towards our ultimate advantage. Okay? Even those things that we wouldn't wish for. Even those things we wouldn't wish on anyone even those things that, that in and of themselves are evil, God can use them to our ultimate advantage. That's, that's how great God is, that he can do that. And, and, and this promise, this assurance that, that God is giving us of that, notice that it's not just for anybody, right? It's not just for anybody. He says again, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who, what? of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All right. So if you love God, if if you love God, then God's good purpose for you is going to be worked out. It's going to be worked out. You you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to miss your purpose. If you love God, I'm telling you, God... Paul is telling you, inspired by the Holy Spirit, if you love God, his good purpose is going to be worked out in your life. Now, if you don't love God, if you don't care about God, if if you don't care about why you're here, if you don't care why he created you, if you don't care about becoming the person that he intends ultimately for you to be, then you may not see the same kind of positive effects come out of the, the hard things that you go through at least not to the same extent. In fact, they'll probably just make you an angrier, more bitter person who is more hardened towards God and towards other people. But if you love God, if you've answered his call to trust him and to trust this purpose that he has for you, then he is going to make sure that all of the events of your life, when taken together, are moving you forward towards experiencing ultimately the salvation that he is bringing about in your life. You know, last week I shared a little bit about my story of losing my first wife to cancer. And I can't possibly understand why that happened other than, as we talked about last week, to look, to look at you know the world around me and to see that you know, I'm, I'm living in a broken, fallen world where things don't work, our bodies don't work like they're supposed to. And, and, and so I, I can see that, but it's also been definitely the most painful thing that I've ever experienced in my life, for sure. And, um, when I think about that, I mean, that's something that I would never, you know, I would never wish for, you know, that's certainly not as I would have ever wished it to be. But, but 13 years later, I can now look back and I can see at least some of the good that God has been working in my life through that and through, through those, those hard things that I went through. You know, I, I learned to, to lean on God more. Than I ever had in my life during that time and in the aftermath of that time. You know, I I saw his love through his people in ways that were astonishing and so encouraging and and touching. My faith has grown much deeper as as it's been refined in the fire. Uh, I I know that I'm more empathetic. I'm more compassionate towards other people's losses and, and hurts than I was before. And of course, God brought me Michelle, not to replace Kathy, but to bring love back into my life and to take me forward into new joys and, and new perspectives and new experiences. And, and so I, that, doesn't, that doesn't answer all my questions, okay? All those things that I just talked about, they they don't answer all of my questions, but they give me enough. They give me enough to confirm that God's promise here is true, that he is, and he always has, and he always will be working towards my ultimate good, Now, it's crucial, I think, to understand what is this ultimate good, right? If God's always working towards my ultimate good, I better understand what what that means. What is the ultimate good he's working towards? What is his purpose that he has, has called me to that he already mentioned there in verse 28? Well, he goes on to explain what that purpose is in verse 29. For... Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? To to what? The image of his son. All right, to the image of his son. All right. He called us to be conformed to the image of his son. That would be Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now that is the ultimate good right there. That's it. That is the purpose that God is working towards in all things, in all things that happen in your life, good or bad, painful or joyful, pleasurable or or something that you really just want to get through. He is always working towards that end that you and I would become more like Jesus. That as God's adopted son or one of his adopted sons, I would reflect the image of his unique divine son, Jesus Christ. That's what he's after. And so through all of those places of hurt in your life, God helps you to accomplish his purpose. He helps you fulfill his purpose. And, and, and so he helps you with prayer. He helps you through your prayers when you don't know really how to pray or what to pray for, and you don't even feel like praying, he helps you. He helps you providentially in that he's working in the details of your life to get you through. And he helps you to accomplish his ultimate purpose the ultimate good that he's working towards. Now, this purpose that Paul talks about here, it goes all the way back to the creation of humanity, all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, where God created us, both male and female, in his image. He created us in his image. And that doesn't mean he created us to be little gods. It means he created us to be people who reflect his character, his heart, the things that are valuable to him, the things that are priorities to him. Those become our values. Those become our priorities. We are made in his image. But then, of course, the fall happened, didn't it? Genesis chapter 3. And so people rebelled. and, And what that meant is that the image of God in humanity became obscured. It became like distorted. It became veiled, hard to see by all of the junk in us, in our lives. And, and, and so we do all kinds of things you know, the, to act, to think, and to do you know, to ourselves or to others or even to creation that are completely out of character with God that do not reflect his image at all. But Jesus then, he comes, right? Jesus comes and he steps into the mess of all of that and he comes to begin the reversal of the effects of the fall. And so what does he do? Well, he he first of all frees us from the condemnation of our sin. He offers us mercy and grace. That's what Paul talked about back in verse one. And then he equips us with the power of the Holy Spirit to have a new mind, a new heart, to have new strength, to be able to push back against our sinful nature. That's what he talked about in the next couple of paragraphs. And now Paul is telling us that God can use the circumstances of our lives, the events of our lives as tools to shape us, to form us, to mold us, to, 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 to sculpt us as he moves us closer and closer to the full restoration of God's image in us. And so, you know, Paul uses this kind of, he uses this enigmatic word here um, that, that has sparked a lot of theological debate through the centuries in verse 29, when he says, for those God foreknew, he also, what? He predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. And that word predestined or predestination is a word that sparked a lot of theological debate. Um, And we could talk about, well, does that mean that that God chose four people, whether they were going to be saved or lost? Or does that mean that God foreordained that all of those who freely chose to believe, he would save? And that would be my, my perspective. But, you know, I don't think that, that that's the debate that Paul is looking at here. And, and neither do I think that that debate should ever divide Christians. You know, whether, wherever you stand on that, whichever position you take, it doesn't change the way we live out our faith. So it, that should never divide us as believers. But what is very, very clear here, and is actually Paul's point in verse 29, is that God's purpose for humanity, his purpose for you, was not an afterthought that's what he's saying it wasn't an afterthought it wasn't wasn't that God created us and and then watched us mess up and fall and, and, and mess up the world and then he was like trying to figure out what to do with us like, no, no. He he knew he knew what was going to happen, and before he ever created the world, before he ever created the first human beings, he already had his plan in place. He already had his purpose set, and it was this purpose: he predestined that everyone who became his child by faith would become more and more like Jesus through the circumstances of their lives, good and bad. And, and that, that um, concept is defined in the, the big theological word sanctification. You may have heard that. sanctification. That's all sanctification means, is to become more like Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here. And that's a process. And it's a process that begins you know, at, at that moment that we come to faith and it continues throughout our entire lives. And it will continue on until the moment that eventually comes when all of us together are raised from the dead and finally and fully glorified with Jesus that we talked about last week. That's the, that's the culmination of that process, All right, so let me get real, real practical for a second. That's a lot of theology stuff, but listen, let me get practical. When you are going through something painful, when you are struggling, when you are feeling like, why does life have to be so hard? I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this truth. God is at work. God is at work to help me, even in this, to fulfill my ultimate purpose for existing, which is to become more like Jesus. So that eventually, someone will be able to look at me and they will see the image of God on brilliant display. So as we make our way down this this trail of life that we are all walking, yeah, we're going to go through some times that are going to be hard. We're going to face trouble along the way. We're going to face tough times along the way sometimes. But we can know, we can know that beyond any shadow of a doubt, one thing that is true of us and every other believer is that we have God's help. We have God's help. And whether it's his help in our struggles to pray, whether it's his help by his providential hand in our lives, getting us through, whether it's his help in helping us fulfill our ultimate purpose for existing, he is at work and we can trust that. He has been doing that. Since day one, he is doing it right now in your life and he will continue to do it until the moment that you take your last breath. You have God's help. So hear me here, here let me give you a, a quick next step. And this, this is something that is just, again, super practical. Next step, trust God's promise, okay? Trust God's promise to bring good out of your pain. Trust God to do what he has promised to do, in other words. And yes, it takes faith, I know. But you can build that faith. Just take this truth that we've found here in this text and tuck it deep into your heart. Just make sure that it's down deep in your heart. And especially when you're frustrated and especially when you're hurting and your heart is breaking, then you can, as you're just kind of straining under the weight of all of that, drop to your knees and just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Father, I don't know what good could possibly come out of this. I I don't see it. I, I don't understand it. But I know your promise and I stand on your promise. I believe your promise. You said it. I believe it. I know it's going to be done. You're always at work. You're always at work, even in my pain. And I'm feeling that pain now, but I know that you're working for my ultimate good. And just, just pray a prayer like that. And don't forget to ask for his help. Don't, don't forget to ask this, this Holy Spirit who dwells within you for help. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me shoulder this load. It's too heavy for me. I need you to, to help carry it with me and for me. Help me to believe. Help me to trust you. Help me to have faith. Help me to to display your beautiful image in this dark world. And with that truth in your heart, you're going to find that you're able to take your next steps forward because the Holy Spirit's going to be there with you, helping you shoulder that load.